all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. Up to one-third of women will experience abnormal uterine bleeding in their life, with irregularities most commonly occurring at menarche and perimenopause. How do I know when these changes in menstrual cycles are a problem? Today, we have Dr. Jaylene Sims on with us. She is an OBGYN at Jackson Hines Comprehensive Healthcare Center and a clinician educator at UMMC. And she's going to be discussing this topic further with us. Hey, Jaylene, how are you? Great. I'm so excited to be here. How are you today? I'm doing well. So Jaylene had a busy clinic this morning, so she's actually calling in to join us this morning from her clinic. So I'm so happy she was able to find some time to kind of help share all of her knowledge with us. Well, I'm so awesome. glad to be as you, um, you extended the invitation. Of course. Well, Jaylene, I want you to just take a moment and tell all of our listeners today just a little bit about yourself and what you do um, in your clinic and day to day. Okay, so um, I'm a board certified OBGYN at Jackson Heights Comprehensive Health Center. So I'm in clinic four days a week, and I have um, my hospital day one day a week. And I basically take care of, you know, I do routine annual exams. Um, I do um low risk and probably no risk, I would say, um, obstetrics, and I perform surgeries. I do problem visits related to urinary tract infections, um, sexually transmitted infections, abnormal uterine bleeding. That's a very, very common one, which is what we talk about today. So basically, like your routine um, and problematic GYN and obstetric care is what I do on a day-to-day basis. I'm also the Associate Program Director for Wellness, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and so I'm over the curriculum for the OBGYN residents at the university, and I'm just starting as one of the maternal health consultants 
for the Mississippi State Department of Health. So I wear many hats, very busy, but I really enjoy what I do, and God definitely um, is able to uh, see me through all of it. Well, awesome. Well, well, Jaylee, you definitely sound extremely busy and and be probably way beyond qualified, of course, to help us out with this topic. And I'm excited, too, to just learn even more about um uh, abnormal uterine bleeding and sharing that with everyone else and hopefully even improving my practice uh, today as we kind of talk a little bit further. Well, awesome, Jaylene. So, you know, I feel just like you said, this is just a common question that many of our female patients have. And then sometimes people don't even know that it's necessarily an issue. So I always tell people how to find out if something is abnormal, we have to kind of have an idea of what is normal, right? So can you tell me a little bit about like what is considered like a normal menstrual cycle? Of course. Um, and you know what? This is really funny because when I first started practicing, most of my initial like surgeries and like um, problem visits actually came from me just doing an annual exam and asking people, hey, so how are your periods? And they're like, oh, they're normal. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me about them. Oh, I pass blood clots and I do all <laughs> these things. I'm like, wait a minute, this ain't right. And so um, a normal menstrual cycle is um, every... 21 to 35 days. So, yes, there can be times where you have two periods in one month because if your periods are 21 or 24 days apart, well, you know the shortest month is 28 days. And so it will be normal for you if that is your normal frequency. Um, The duration, typically two to nine days would be really two to seven days. Once you start getting eight, nine, ten days, they're getting a little bit too long. Um, The slow... So everybody's flow is going to be different, and it's kind of difficult difficult to quantify based on whether you're wearing pads or tampons. But say, for instance, you're changing your pads every three to four hours or your tampon every three to four hours, that's probably going to be closer to normal if you're not passing any blood clots or going through your clothes or bed sheets. Now, the average age of starting your menstrual cycle is about 12 years. Okay, perfect. And I'm so happy that you said that because a lot of times people do not realize that it's abnormal. They're like, well, it's been this way for me for all this time, then it must be right. And so it's really good, again, as I highlight on almost every show, it's just really good to have yourself a primary care provider that you're checking in with once a year, even if you're feeling perfectly fine. Because this is when we find out when you just like sit down and have a conversation and someone like Dr. Sims tells you like, no, sweetheart, that is not normal. We need to figure out what's going on. So in all of that, kind of a common question I get is, is how much variation is okay? So like, you know, there are some people that are like clockwork. They know at day 21, you know, it is coming or 28 or whatever it may be. Like, how how do I determine, like, if I'm a few days off or, you know, when it's a problem? Right. So if it varies by more than three to four, three, four, five days on either end. So, like, say, for instance, you're typically every 28, you know, 28 days is, like, how the birth control pills go. That's, like, the average that we all just kind of talk about and people just kind of vary from there. But, like, say, for instance, one month you come on day 25. Well, you're still okay. Or say you come on day 32 off of your normal 28-day cycle. You're still okay. So there is a little bit of variation at times. Because like you said, some people are like clockwork, and I've, you know, I've just never been that blessed. <laughs> I mean, it's like, 
I've never been that great. Yes. And so, you know, it's so funny because like I think about so I'm so like fascinated by technology and where we are these days. And I like when I think about to like childhood, like my paper calendar that my mom gave me and she's like, you need to make sure you're following this every month and writing it down and all this kind of stuff. And now there's so many cool apps that like track this for you in your phone and like send you reminders that things are coming. Do you have a favorite app or anything that you use or recommend? So, okay, so I use one called Flow right now, and um, I had one before that, but I didn't really like that it gave me all these, like, extra, like, marketing things. So, of course, if you download the free app, you know, there may be some, like, ads and stuff in them. But right now I'm using Flow. Um, I see a lot of patients use Flow, but then there are several others that they're, like, um, I, I, like I've never heard of the one that they use. For me, I just say get one that you that goes with your phone and that you're gonna put your like that you can understand and that you're gonna put your periods in because it is music to my ears when someone tells me about their periods and then I say or I say hey well, well tell me when your last period was and they say let me grab my tracker and I be like you know what matter of fact hand me your phone I'm gonna look at this look at this myself it's like great when we can actually see it and we and it helps us to understand what patients are going through when they have those apps because otherwise sometimes it may be difficult for them to articulate what's really going on so that app it ain't gonna lie if you put it in there no, and I think it's a wonderful resource because I also remind people like our memory is just not as good as we think. Like I tell people all the time in clinic when they're trying to like remember something or tell me something, I'm like, it is okay. I can I can't tell you what I wore on Wednesday, let alone try to tell you what was going on with my period two weeks ago. So it's just nice to like have an app. And a lot of them are pretty cool because in there you can track like your flow. You can, you know, so you kind of are able to see which days are worse for you and you can see exactly how long it lasted. And then even for those women out there that are trying to conceive, it's these apps are also wonderful because they kind of just give you like a nice uh, where you are in your cycle and things to kind of expect so I think it's just a good kind of habit and practice because it's great information for your doctor when you go to your visit but it's also just kind of good to keep up with too right and like it also tracks like when you're um when you're anticipated to be ovulating so if you're like looking to get pregnant it's great because it's like okay well right I need to have air force on these couple of days here because this is when I'm most um you know most fertile or for those patients that are like, I don't want any birth control. I prefer to do natural <laughs> natural birth control. And then it's like, girl, do not have sex during this time period right here. And you can look at your app to tell you when not to be active. And so it's, it's definitely really nice. Now, the one that I use, I actually use the upgraded version. It has lots of education in there, too. So, like, you know, we sometimes when we grow up, we don't get to learn a lot about our bodies, especially our periods and things like that. And so sometimes we, we learn from what, whatever we hear about at school, and then that's just kind of it. You learn on the street. But this app has great, great information about just your period, getting pregnant, your hormones, when you're, um, you know, when you're highly fertile and, you know, different positions. Like it has all kinds of stuff in those apps. And so it's really nice. 
And that's good. And I'm happy you bring that up because so parents, that's great out there, too, for your. So we already know, like when you have our adolescents and our teenagers and even our young adults just don't want to talk about it. So if you can find a good app that a gets them in the habit of tracking this, but two becomes a resource for them to possibly read about this, because if they're not asking you, then they start asking friends. And then we know how that can go as far as how the information is presented. So it's just a wonderful (laughs) resource as well. Exactly. I just and doing like just the pediatric piece, I just really kind of encourage parents. I'm like, please talk, because if they're not getting it from you, then they're going to get it from another source. And you want to make sure that the information that everybody's getting is correct. I have here with me this morning, Dr. Jaylene Sims, who is an OBGYN at the Jackson Hines Comprehensive Healthcare Center. And we have been discussing abnormal uterine bleeding. And as I say that, really the first half, we've really just kind of dived into what is normal or get an idea of what is normal so that we can go a little bit more in detail about what is abnormal. And just a quick recap on anybody that might just be joining in. We said for a menstrual cycle, normal length is about, you know, frequency is about every 21 to 35 days. And then uh, the duration for most people is about um, just to pick can, can vary and can be up to seven days or so. Um, and so again, like I said, I've got here with me Dr. Sims. So we've talked a little bit about normal. So when do you start defining something as abnormal uterine bleeding, Jaylene? So typically, I want to know what's normal for that particular person because um, sometimes people will say, well, I wasn't always like this. Like, I used to have periods for three to four days. And um, the flow, I would just have to change my pad every four hours. And I wouldn't go through my clothes or bed sheets. No blood clots. But after boom, 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 X, Y, Z, or, you know, six months ago, I started having, and then they'll tell me. So, number one, you want to find out what was their initial normal. And for them, that is abnormal. Now, the other part is, for like we said before, some people have been abnormal since they started. And so um, at that point, um, you, you notice how I, um, I say, like, you're changing your pad or tampon so many hours. How I define normal at that point is I ask a very specific set of questions. So I say, do you have periods every month, yes or no? Do you... Um, how long do they last? And they tell me how long they last. When they start to lasting, um, you know, 8, 10, not, you know, 12 days, things like that, sometimes even longer, that's going to be a red flag to me. And I say, how often do you have to change your pad or tampon? And what size do you wear? Because if you're wearing panty liners and you change them every two hours, I don't have a problem with that. But if you're wearing overnight pads and you're changing them every two hours because they're saturated, I have a problem with that. That's, that's considered abnormal. And then do you have blood clots? So what size? Do you go through your clothes and bed sheets? Can you get through the night without having to get up to change your pad or your tampon? And so those are the questions that help me quantify how significant their bleeding issues are. Perfect. So so if anybody you would say are having any of those changes or issues, then they need to make an appointment with you or, or their primary care provider to kind of dig in a little yeah. bit deeper and figure out what's going on. 
Exactly, exactly. How long do we let that go on for? You know, like, because I'll just have some people, they happen to see me and they're like, oh, it's been going on for months or weeks. Like, when when do I know, like, I need to see my doctor tomorrow or I can, like, see her next month? So tomorrow is when you're like severely anemic, <laughs> and um, it's just like okay, well, I'm typically normal, but like last month was not a normal month for me. I'm like okay, well, you know what? Let's charge that one to the game as long as your next one is normal. So I want to see more than one month, unless they had a period that lasts for a month. That's a whole different ball game. But like, say they had one that was just a little bit prolonged and it was a little heavier than their normal. Then I would say, okay, well, let's just um, remember what this one is like, and let's see what next month is like. Um, because sometimes um, there are there are situations where people may have like an abnormal period and then they go back to normal, and sometimes that involves an unrecognized pregnancy. Like you didn't take a pregnancy test, like the egg and the sperm probably got together, and then like um, it was a you know it was miscarried without just even knowing and it, it wasn't even like one that implanted so sometimes people will have like an abnormal like a one abnormal period and so i always want to see more than one unless it's one that's super severe right and and i try to tell people too and and you can definitely correct me if i'm wrong as we talk about abnormal uterine bleeding and we think about like okay so my period hasn't come on for a while the first thing people are thinking is pregnancy i try to tell my patients that an over-the-counter pregnancy test is just as good as the urine test that i'm going to take in my clinic like you don't have to wait anxious and nervous until you can get in to see me like it's just as good of a test Because you know what? Let me tell y'all something. Those pregnancy tests that we have in clinics are not the true clear ones. They're not the, you know, those like extensive tests. They're those dollar tests that you can get at the Dollar Tree. So, um, yes, please go, you know, save yourself some time and some money and some anxiety over waiting on a doctor's appointment by just going and grabbing your test from your local family dollar store and, if it's positive, then come. If it's negative, then you could probably be rest assured that it's going to be negative in our clinics, too. Right. And so I always tell everybody like my funny story to that. So one of my friends, I'll never forget, like when I got married, like at my kind of like bridal shower, her gift to everybody like newlyweds was like a bag of like pregnancy tests from the dollar store. And I was just like, this is like, I thought it was kind of cool, but like at first a little bit like strange. And then I got it. Then I was like, oh, it's just easy. Like if you're anxious that like, you know, things have gone a little bit longer and you've got like a whole like supply in the like bathroom. And you're like, okay, I can ease my mind real quick. So I actually do that now for like all my friends that are like newlyweds, they're like bridal showered, like they get a care package from me that includes a bag of like pregnancy tests. <laughs> love it. I love it. That is so cute. So we know when our, of course, our cycles get a little bit off. The first thing that we're ruling out that we were just kind of saying was pregnancy, making sure we're not pregnant. So, Jaylene, what are some other things that cause us to have abnormal uterine bleeding? So I would say, aside from pregnancy, one of the ones that we probably face the most would be fibroids. (laughs) And so... um, I'll talk about that in just a minute. And you can actually put your abnormal uterine bleeding into a couple different categories. And so um, one of them is like the structural. It kind of goes through this like Tom Cohen. There's like this whole acronym that helps us remember why someone would have abnormal periods. 
And so um, fibroids is actually one of them. And then um, sometimes we'll see endometrial polyps. A lot of times I see those in um, our more wise population. However, you can see that in anyone. Um, and then there are conditions that sometimes you'll see in, like, maybe the 20s, um, a condition called endometriosis. Endometriosis is one that causes people to have heavy and painful periods. And then, of course, cancers. And then, like, the ones that are not necessarily related to the structure of the uterus could be, like, just your ovaries. Like, you have a hormone imbalance, and as a result, you're not ovulating. And when you don't ovulate, your periods are going to be irregular. Another way to say that is PCOS. A lot of people hear PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome um, as, a, as, as one of those issues. If a person is, like, having her very first period and she came on and never went off, we're concerned about something related to, like, some type of, like, bleeding issue. Um, and then, of course, um, other hormones that can cause issues like your thyroid hormone and different medications can cause your periods to either be absent. Um, and don't y'all forget, birth control can change your periods, too. <laughs> yes, and even with with the birth control, there's a lot of people that have spotting and things in between. Exactly, and um, usually those are going to be like your progesterone-only birth control. Now, of course, um, you can see that with um, combo birth control, but the progesterone-only birth control, the reason why we have abnormal periods with that is because um, the estrogen is what kind of like grows the lining of the uterus, and the progesterone is what sloughs it off, like thins it out, makes you have your period so that it like gets really thin. So if you only have the progesterone part of it, the initial three months or so on that birth control, you're going to like bleed, have probably you have the potential to have irregular bleeding because it's going to thin it out as much as possible. Then after that, 30% of people have no more periods. 30% just have like really light spotting when it comes to their period. To do whatever they're going to do, and you just never know what it's going to be. They may miss three and then have one. They may have one every single month, and it'd be like a little bit longer or lighter. You just never know. And I sometimes I won't lie, feel bad in like those instances when I'm like, I'm putting you on birth control, everything's going to be predictable, and you know, all this kind of thing. And then you get those patients that it's just not, you know, don't quite work out that way. So everyone's just a little bit different and trying to find what works for you. Yeah. And and I do want to say this, like, um, I know that we're saying that um, the birth control can actually lead to abnormal uterine bleeding, but there are medical indications for birth control. And abnormal uterine bleeding is one of them. So that's kind of like one of those weird things where it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> um, you mean to tell me that I'm having abnormal periods, but you're going to put me on something that makes me have abnormal periods. But yes, the IUD is actually one the, the progesterone IUD can actually decrease the menstrual flow up to 60, 70, 80%, depending on the person. And so there are medical or bleeding indications for being on birth control. And that's where a lot of our younger population of people actually get started on birth control pills. For them, I don't call it, I don't call it birth control pills because I'd be like, I am giving you the permission to have sex. You want hormones. <laughs> Correct. And and I, honestly, I, that's a lot of like my young adults and, and adolescent ages is, you know, 
parents are a little bit hesitant um, to use the option of birth control to help with the abnormal uterine bleeding because I think that's a fear. But it's just a wonderful tool that's in our arsenal that can make things more predictable and and really help with quality of life because some of our you know people are missing work, missing school, um, and all those types of things with migraines and cramps and heavy flow and all those things and and really birth control for some everyone's very different of course can be a wonderful option right i agree Definitely. Well, I will say this one thing, like as a primary care provider and I'm sitting there and someone comes in and they're having and I kind of go through a lot of things you go through. And we're talking about kind of um, abnormal uterine bleeding. One of the things I get right away is thyroid. But then the more I read about it, it's actually one of the more uncommon causes. I can't say that I that it usually ends up being the answer for me when I get that test. Right. Yeah, I've only seen it a few times. However, when you get your when you do your workup. Every single patient is going to get a thyroid. <laughs> right. Because it's, I mean, it's, and it's a simple lab, you know, that, that can help. So as you mentioned that, so how did, so we talked about, you kind of go through their history and those types of things. So what does a workup look like? What can I expect my doctor to do if I come to them with this particular concern or complaint? Okay. So um, the baseline workup would include, um, like a history, of course, a physical, we want to do a bimanual exam so that we can, you know, see, okay, what is the size of the uterus? Like, are we concerned for life fibroids or is the uterus small? Things like that. We also would like to perform a pap smear in sexually transmitted infection testing because another cause of people having like an irregular period can also be related to some type of inflammation on the uterus or infection in the uterus. We like to rule out all of those things. Cervical cancer is another one of those things. That's the reason why we do the pap smear. And then from there, if all of that is normal, um, um, and it's, um, a sonogram would be another really great tool to help us to determine, okay, what, if there are any structural issues are the person having? Like we want to look at the ovaries to see if it has multiple little small eggs on them. I say eggs because people get nervous when we say cysts, like, oh, I got a cyst on my ovary. But really, it's like just a bunch of eggs um, that that we can just see on ultrasound, and that would be concerning for like potential polycystic ovarian syndrome. And then we look for fibroids. We look for um, signs that there may be a condition called adenomyosis, although the definitive diagnosis would be with your uterus in the pathology lab, and that's not really feasible for everyone. And then um, we also look for the lining of the uterus. How thick is it? Because for some people... Um, certain numbers would be considered concerning. And so we do that. And then another part of the workup, um, if it gets to this point, is an endometrial biopsy, which is a biopsy or a sampling of tissue from the lining of the uterus. So good. So it sounds like, you know, not so to kind of ease some people, first of all, we start off with very non-invasive tests. So some blood work, a physical exam, those types of things. And then just depending on what that reveals to us determines um, more, more how detailed we have to get from there to help us find the diagnosis. Exactly. Because if the person's younger, like a lot of times they're not going to have any like significant problems that, you know, um, are needed for a biopsy or an ultrasound. Like if it's like a person that's, you know, 13, 14 years old, I'm not going to perform an ultrasound right off. Like I'll just take my history and if, they're, if it's a sexually active teenager, then um, I'll do um, just a quick pelvic exam, but not a super invasive one just to get, 
you know, cultures for infections. And then um, I'll, I'll probably, if all that is normal, just say, okay, well, you know, we can do for NBIC or like ibuprofen or something like that, or we can place you on hormones to help you um, regulate your period. But if the person is greater than 45 or if the person um, is in the obesity category with like super heavy bleeding, things like that, then that's when we want to be more concerned about getting a biopsy of the lining of the uterus. And so, yeah, it, it, it's a it's an algorithm that we use, and we just try to make sure that we tailor it to each person based on what they tell us in their age. Exactly. And two, as you mentioned that, that's also it bring, make, brings me to another common question that I get. How much time for our, you know, a lot of people that are listening are thinking about maybe their teenage daughters or people who are just starting their period. How much time do we give them to figure out what's going to be regular or regular pattern for them? You know, um, it usually takes about a year for an adolescent brain and ovary pathway to mature to the regular. Um, like when I say the regular, I mean the regular for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, because when an adolescent first has her menstrual cycle, she may not see it again for a couple of months and then it comes back and then she may not see it again for a while. But as her ovaries and her brain are continuing to communicate and the process matures, then it starts to develop into something that's a little bit more regular. So I would give, um, after menarche or the first menstrual cycle, um, I would give at least a year okay. to determine what you like. Well, perfect. This is Dr. Jasmine Kinsey on Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I have here with me this morning, Dr. Jaylene Sims, who is the OBGYN at Jackson Hines Comprehensive Healthcare Center. And we have been talking about abnormal uterine bleeding. We've talked about normal. We've talked about just some common things that can cause us to have abnormal bleeding, whether that be heavy or delays between our cycles. Um, And so we have just learned a lot from Dr. Sims today. And looks like we actually have our first caller here. We have Erica on the line. Hi, Erica. How are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? We're good. Well, Erica, tell us a little bit about your question this morning. Hi, I just want to call in and talk a little bit about IUDs. Me and my family are post um, or thinking about, you know, taking a break from having children And when I was discussing with my doctor some of our um, choices, when she brought up the IUD, she talked about possibly, like, not getting my cycle anymore or having long, longer um, periods between having, sorry, longer cycle times and and different things. So I just wanted to talk about, because I felt a little bit uncomfortable, is that normal or is it causing any other issues if you don't see your cycle for a while? Um, while you're on an IED. So glad that you brought that up. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because that is actually the very question of a lot of patients. Like, aren't I supposed to have cycles? Aren't I supposed to clean myself out? Like, I, I, I need to have a cycle, right? That's what they ask. And so, um, so progesterone-only birth control, no, you do not have to have a cycle. And the reason why is because the lining of the uterus has been thinned by that hormone. Now, if you were using an estrogen and 
progesterone birth control, then yes, you would have a menstrual cycle because you don't want your lining of the uterus to thicken and then just continue to thicken and thicken and thicken over time. And so when you are on progesterone-only birth control, it is totally fine not to have a menstrual cycle. And, and, and what she said is totally correct. So for the first three months, sometimes even longer, you can have, like, some irregular bleeding. And what that can look like is prolonged bleeding, just fighting for an extended period of time. Because what it's doing is thinning out the lining of the uterus. Then after that, you'll go into the phase of what is going to be your normal. Some people don't have periods for the whole five years that they have their IUD in. And I said five because um, that's kind of what it has been for people. But I'll tell you that the IUDs are now FDA approved, um, at least the Mirena, for eight years in the United States. But so, oh, wow. yeah, that is completely it is healthy. So it's healthy not to see it for that, that long of a time period? It's totally fine. Um, Depo does the same thing. And like I said, it's because the lining of the uterus is thin. When people, when the, when it's, when it's thickened, it's not okay because it needs to swap off in, um, each month. Or it, it, you can actually do it to where it's like every three months or something like that, when, depending on how you're taking your pills. But, um, yes, when it's progesterone only, it's okay not to have a menstrual cycle. Okay. And if at some point you do see it, that's okay too, right? <laughs> yep, it's totally fine. Okay, so um, I'll just say so I used the Morena IUD, and um, I saw a cycle every month, but it was super, super light. I could just use panty liners, so I loved it. <laughs> so it <laughs> depends on the person of how it's going to do for their bodies. I've seen it do great for people, and I've seen it not do so great for people. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your call, Erica, and you have a great day. You too. Perfect. And, and you know, Jaylene, that brings up a great point. Like IUD is an excellent example of, and I tell every patient, everybody is different. So what may have worked for your friend may not work for you or a family member. And, and I think sometimes people get discouraged if they don't have the same results that somebody else has or they think something's wrong with them. It's just everybody's right. different. It really is. Yep, so true. Well, perfect. Well, as we mentioned before, there are so many causes of abnormal uterine bleeding. And one of the things that I think I get the most questions about, and I'll be honest, at least for me in primary care doing internal medicine, I feel helpless. But of course, you have more options for a lot of our patients being in OBGYN. But I feel like people have a lot of questions and concerns about fibroids. It's something that I commonly see. um, And and really, people, I think, really kind of struggle like what is the right thing to do so Jaylene do you mind sharing a little bit with us about what are fibroids and and how do we treat them do I have to have surgery what are your thoughts yeah that's actually um you're you're right it's so common so fibroids are benign muscular tumors and so what do I what I mean when I say that they they originate from the muscle of the uterus and then they can grow to where they're 20 centimeters. That's probably the largest one that I removed out. That's the size of a nice size newborn baby, um, the length. <laughs> and then they can be as small as like less than one centimeter, which is less than like the tip of your finger. And so, like again, I say they are benign. There is, however, 
a like one percent. I mean, it's a very, very, very low chance that those can actually um, appear like fibroids would actually be a condition called leiomyosarcoma, which is a cancer from those fibroids. Um, we actually diagnose them by ultrasound. Our, our imaging choice of, uh, our imaging source of choice would be a transvaginal ultrasound. If we can't do transvaginal, meaning through the vagina, we could do it on the abdomen, um, because that gives us the best, um, views of the pelvic structure. And, um, of course, when we treat them, we base it on the person's symptoms. Their, um, their blood count, we base it on um, how significant the bleeding is and what the person's future fertility goals are. So for some people, that, mean, that may mean that we need to have them removed. For other people, that may mean that we remove those plus the uterus too, a hysterectomy. And for some people, that mean, they say, okay, well, these were found incidentally. I'm not having any issues. And let me tell you, we're not going to go messing with nothing to give you more problems if you're not having problems right. with fibroids. Because a lot of people have fibroids and they don't know it because we're not, we don't just go looking for stuff. We look for things when you come and tell me that you're having a problem. Exactly. And that's why I feel like so some people are like, well, my, you know, somebody, I know somebody they had to get their uterus removed because they have fibroids. Is that going to happen to me? And I'm like, again, you know, it just depends on the size and, and, and they can grow to a pretty nice size. Exactly. And some people would just put on medicine. Remember how before I was saying, you know, um, one of the medical indications for birth control or there are medical indications for birth control. So fibroids is actually one of them. You know, it helps people decrease the flow from their menstrual cycle. And so, yeah, there are so many treatment options, and that's why I encourage each person to, yes, talk to your friends, talk to your families about it, so you can kind of get an understanding of what they have gone through and you have your good support system. But in order to have the individualized care that you deserve, make sure you speak directly to your provider. And if you feel like your provider is not listening to you, speak up or move on. Perfect. I, I completely agree. And what's so crazy is just, you know, being in the medical field, we just start seeing a lot of these things. And sometimes you forget that patients um, don't know what a lot of these things are. And then, you know, they hear about it and they're like, oh, my gosh, what is this? So I, I say that to say is. I didn't really learn until training and becoming a doctor that you can get polyps everywhere. When I think about polyps, I think about colon polyps, but apparently (laughs) you can get nasal polyps, you can get endometrial polyps. So from my understanding, endometrial polyps is a thing um, and it can cause some bleeding. So what is that? Like, how do you know you have them? Do they have to be removed? Like, what is that? from the lining of the uterus, that's usually where they are, just on the lining of the uterus. And those are little, those are soft tissue tumors that are also benign. Now, typically people with these, they have, um, they have a lot of times like spotting between their periods. They're not going to be like significantly heavy, similar to like when someone has fibroids, but they're going to be the person that has like a prolonged period where it's like, they have their flow, and then afterwards, it just kind of, like, continues on, or in between their menstrual cycle, they just kind of have a little bit of, like, a spotty or a little bit of a flow, things like that. We also diagnose those with ultrasound. There's also this procedure called a saline ultrasound, um, and that's kind of, like, the easy way to say it. But how it works is 
when we're doing the ultrasound, we actually infuse fluid into the lining of the uterus so that we can measure the top part, like both sides of the lining of the uterus. And from there, we can say, oh, you know what? There's like a little defect here, and it appears that it might be a polyp, you know. And so that's how we can treat those or evaluate those. Now, treatment, if it's not bothering you and we just happen to find it, we don't have to do anything about it. Like, if, if you're like, well, no, I'm good, like, I'm, then we just going to say, okay, we're all good then. But there's a way to be on medication, of course. And there's also a way for us to do a minor surgical procedure where we do what we call a polypectomy. And we, we don't even have to make any incisions on the abdomen. We actually just go through the vagina into the uterus with a camera. And we have our operative, like, um, instruments that we can use to remove the polyp. I tell people all the time that, that again, it, technology just blows your mind, like with all the things that we can see with our imaging modalities and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. I have here with me today, Dr. Jaylene Sims, an OBGYN at Jackson Hines Comprehensive Healthcare Center. And we have learned so much in this past hour about abnormal uterine bleeding. And we only really have a few more minutes in this hour. And I really want to highlight one of the things that I always want to remind patients about. And I get this phone call from my family members and they brush it off is after a patient reaches menopause and they have gone through menopause you should not see spotting or bleeding those are actually the patients that I really worry about what are your thoughts Jaylene absolutely I totally 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 agree with you on that um and sometimes they'll say oh I have a discharge and I'm like okay well what color is it it's um, brown, and I'm like, oh, gosh, it's bleeding. Because mm-hmm. to me, I know that that's the color of old blood, but they don't know that, and so that's why it's good that we're actually having this discussion right now. But let me just say to you first, the definition of menopause is a person that has not had a menstrual cycle for 12 months. Once you have not had a menstrual cycle for 12 months, you better not see it, and if you do, you let me know right away. Because at that point, at the postmenopausal age, I'm, my first mind is to rule out some type of cancer. And then I'm like, okay, well, we can manage the rest. But those are the, that, remember how before I was saying, you know, it depends on the age and the population and what's going on. Those are the people that need an ultrasound right away and a potential um, endometrial biopsy, depending on the, the thickness or lining of the uterus. Exactly. And I just really wanted to make sure I mentioned that today because I've had several people, oh, it's just like a little spot and it went away. And I'm like, call somebody like, you know, and not all of it is cancer. It's not. I have lots of people that that is not the case at all. But I just want to make sure, like Jaylene said, if you have gone through menopause, you have not had your period for a year. And then now you're starting to see um, some wet, bright red blood, brown, like a discharge, those types of things. Just go ahead and call your doctor, get in and make sure everything's looking okay. Right. And I do want to mention this because, um, you know, you all heard me say 12 months. Um, I still work people up when they tell me they haven't had a period for 11 months. Like, your doctor is going to use his or her discretion um, on um, on your situation because, again, you know, um, everybody doesn't read the textbook. And, of course, everybody's body doesn't read the textbook. So, you know, at 11 months, I'm still going to evaluate just to be on the safe side. 
Awesome. Well, Jaylene, we have a, another about minute and a half. Tell me, I just always tell people, what do you think are the big takeaway points um, that you want patients to know about abnormal uterine bleeding? Just because it's something that you have experienced for years and years doesn't mean it's normal. If you are going through, you know, overnight pads and you're having to change them often and you don't want to wear white during your menstrual cycle or, you know, you're going through your bed sheets and clothes and things like that, passing blood clots, that is considered to be abnormal and you should speak to your provider. Number two, if you have a provider that you really love that just won't really take heed to what you're saying or is saying like, oh, well, since it's been that way, then that's probably normal for you, I would actually just seek a second opinion so that you can make sure that everything is okay. Perfect. And and it's always like we said, and if you don't have somebody and you think everything's okay, that's where the yearly checkup comes in. Like even if you're just feeling fine, life's great. It's always good to have a primary care provider, whether that be an internal medicine doctor, whether that be an OBGYN for our women. Our OBGYNs are excellent resources and um, our primary care providers. So um, I would, of course, say that you need to see both once a year, about every six months or so. Um, um, and, but if you have, just make sure you have an OBGYN and that you're getting yearly checkups and you're getting um, yearly exams so, and talking through these things just to make sure that we're kind of doing all the right things. Well, thank you so much, Jaylene, for joining us today. I want to remind everyone that Southern Remedy Women's Health is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and it is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from NIST listeners like you. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy Women's Health on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.